Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, Timeless Wisdom to Enrich Every Day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, February 8th. Respect everyone. Even if some people strike you as a bit daft, remember, God dwells in all beings and can express his wisdom in countless ways, sometimes quite surprisingly. I myself have found that when I listened open-mindedly to someone whom I thought a little foolish, it was that person specifically whom God chose to tell me something I needed to hear. You know, it's a very interesting uh, sort of the way Swami puts this. And of course, because I knew him so well and, and had so many experiences over more than four decades and saw him in all kinds of circumstances, I really got to see how Swami played, how Swami actually expressed these aphorisms here. You know, of course, any of you who are listening to more than just one of these um, explanations in this book, there will be, there are 366 of them. You, you will notice there's a consistent theme, which is I'm constantly referring to the author of these statements, and I'm extra, extrapolating from his short statements from my experience what he was really like. And I'm actually just being consistent with Swamiji's introduction to this book when he says, these, these are things I have learned from experience. This is not like, oh, here's a good collection of good ideas, you know, which a lot of times people will publish book, books of aphorisms, which are just simply collected. And, I mean, that's a perfectly reasonable thing to do. These are good guidelines. I used to have a, I just would paste up on my wall with a certain period of time when I was trying to learn certain things. Every time I would read something that struck me as being helpful, I would paste it on the wall. I, I referred to it as the wall of wisdom. Actually, now that I think about it, during my one year at college, I did one year at Stanford University, I actually did the same thing. I'd forgotten that. I took a pencil and I wrote on my wall every time I heard something that was helpful to me. At, at the end, when they checked our dorm rooms, <laughs> they were horrified and were going to charge me hundreds of dollars to repaint the room. But I, I was so practical-minded, I knew that the pencil would just wash off. So I just went and washed it all off, and then, of course, they, they didn't. But I lived in a room where I had written on the wall things that I thought were worth remembering. But the difference was those were affirmations for me. Those were affirmations or aspirations or maybe this would be a good idea. What Swamiji has written here, and he's made it very clear to us right at the beginning, these are the things that I know to be true because I live according to this. And I testify to that. And that's why I, I reinforce or expand your understanding of what he's written here because I watched him and I know exactly what he means. So the first phrase of this, respect everyone, even though sometimes people may strike you as a little bit daft. Because what happens sometimes is when people are trying to be positive. Oh, everyone is a child of God. Everyone expresses God's will. Everyone has a right to be whoever they are, whatever they are. Sometimes we think that means that we, we cannot actually see what people are like that somehow it's a betrayal of that principle to say, even though he strikes you as a little bit daft. It, because it's not the, the clear discrimination of whether a person is 
completely airy-fairy out to lunch with their ideas, you can still respect them and you can still see this is a child of God acting out for his own reasons in this slightly daft way, because people are daft. I mean, some people have really impressively interesting ideas that may relate very little to practical reality, but that doesn't make them any less a child of God or any less loved by God. Even people who are very evil, even people who are very evil are still acting out in the, in the only way they can act out a necessary experiment to see whether this way of living will bring me happiness or not. And it's a tough, it's a tough teaching. I mean, and you don't necessarily respect what they're doing, but you respect the, the right that the same divinity that lives in me lives in them. Their actions may be abominable, and I may need to stand up and try to stop them, but I still am stopping them because they are ignorant in their expression. But that doesn't mean that their divine self is any less different. And, you know, there's a very interesting corollary to that. And these are very challenging teachings. You know, this is where the the sort of the the comfortableness of believing in karma and divine law and we're all children of God, this is where it really crashes up against reality. Because if we are all children of God, if we're all equally loved by God, then God loves the tyrant as much as he loves the saint. The, the problem is not whether God loves you, it's how much you suffer because of your own actions. And the problem is it takes a longer span than one incarnation in order to see this. Because often transparently evil people don't receive their just rewards in the lifespan that you can see. Sometimes they die rich and secure seemingly in their beds. But be assured, as the Bible says, God is not mocked. He who lives by the sword will die by the sword. And that is, you know, these are very, very, very tough teachings. I mean, they just demand that we just go sinking into deeper and deeper and deeper levels of our own prejudices and our fears and our, our, in a, you know, our unwillingness to face hard truths. Now, I, of course, am committed to these truths and am committed to that continuous effort. And after all these years, I still find it very difficult. But nonetheless, going back to where we were, Swami could very cheerfully say that someone is completely daft. And that just wouldn't, there would be no judgment in it. It would just be an observation. Or he had this other wonderful phrase, which I just loved. Sometimes when people were very difficult to get along with, he would say, yes, so-and-so does have an, an unfortunate manner, is how he put it. An unfortunate manner, such as, for example, she's unbearable, <laughs> you know. But unfortunate manner is how he would say it. That was enough, because it was an unfortunate manner. It was unfortunate for them. It was unfortunate for people around them. I had to work with this woman once who was just very difficult to get along with, and I was having a really hard time working with her, and I was talking to Swamiji on the phone because she was someone that he and I were both committed to helping. And the reason that I was working closely with her is that I was trying to integrate her into Ananda and she was, a good, she was a good woman. She just had an unfortunate manner. And she was very sincere. And so I was trying to 
help move her into Ananda so she could become a better person. That's why we're all here. None of us are saints already. We're, we're here because we want to become like saints. But I said to Swami that her unfortunate manner made it difficult for me because she was overbearing. She was supposed to be working for me, but she acted as if I was her slave. <laughs> she was my employee, so to speak. But she was just impossible. And Swami laughed and he said, yes, he said, when I'm with her, he said, I don't bother to have a personality because she has so much personality, there's not really room for anyone else to have one. And I just love that. I love that. And it helped me enormously with her because I realized a great deal of the problem was I kept trying to have a personality. <laughs> and she had so many opinions and ways of being that when I tried to assert my own, we just clashed. But why was I always trying to assert my own? I mean, sometimes it mattered, but most of the time, it just didn't matter at all. There she was, you know, and this is what she needed, and this is who she needed to be. That doesn't mean I allowed her to rule when my serious, real judgment said it had to be another way, but it, I dropped about 90% of my personality, and then we got along just fine. Why do I have to answer back? Why do I have to have an opinion? Just, this is who she is, this is what's going to work. So this is what Swami's talking about. And when we relax our judgments and relax our, this is the way it has to be, and I'm only going to listen to you if you're exactly like me sort of thoughts, then oftentimes we get extremely interesting perspectives on things. And we, we really learn things about each other that we just wouldn't know. If we only stay in our tiny little reality, we were having a conversation, some friends and I earlier today, and we were talking about it was actually because Ananda has a large uh, work also in India now, and that work has come to be since, you know, uh, since about the year 2000. So it's 20 years, but it's only been that. And we were talking about some of the early exchanges, and, and this was the story that was told. A group of, of friends from India came um, to stay at Ananda village, and they were, you know, we, they were being wonderfully hosted, and we were having a lovely time with them. And then uh, uh, it was summer, so they were invited up to um, this one particular home, which was a very large home with a beautiful outdoor garden area. And so the hosts decided that they would give our Indian friends a typical American um, dinner, summer dinner. So we were all vegetarians, so they got vegetarian burgers and vegetarian hot dogs, and, and they also served corn on the cob. You know, this is like a July meal. So the whole meal is being served, and they think everything is fine. And then this Indian woman comes in to the hostess. Now, I'm just presuming this is true because this is what was presented. She's weeping, and she thinks, what have we done to offend you? You know, why could you not just speak to us? Now, sometimes the Indian culture can be very subtle, as Swami points out. I, I think chess was invented in India. And so when Americans go over there where we're often used to... I mean, now everything has become much more East and West is combined. But when I first started going to India 35 years ago, you know, um, some, we're very straightforward. We just say what we mean. But Oriental cultures often do not. They're not nearly so direct. They're much more indirect. So this Indian woman is weeping. She said, why, you know, what have we done to offend you? And, you know, the hostess was just like completely confused. Apparently, corn on the cob is what you serve to pigs. And it was just, you would never serve corn on the cob to any human person. 
unless you were trying to insult them profoundly. Like, how would we know that? It's just, like, it's just one of those small cultural things that can just completely wipe you out without you even knowing it. Now, that's cultural, but perspective. Just, this makes a great deal of sense from someone's perspective. And sometimes that perspective is not wrong. It's just wildly different than your own. Just as simple as that. But if we start from the premise that God can speak to me through anyone, and then listen to see whether he does. Now, bear in mind, he doesn't always. (laughs) Sometimes the person is simply daft. (laughs) And they can be entertaining, but not necessarily helpful. But you can still bless them because they're on the same journey you're on. Or this man can be very evil. Or this woman can be very evil. And therefore, I absolutely refuse to cooperate with you. But I know you're on a journey and you're going to learn. You know, God is God is guiding you just as he's guiding me. And right now you're not listening a lot. And you're doing things that will cause you to suffer because that's what happens. That's what happens when we make mistakes. It's very simple. We hurt other people when we do the wrong thing. And then that pain eventually comes back to us. And of course, the other exceedingly tough part of this teaching is, why is pain being inflicted upon me? And it's not just punishment. It's not as simple as that. But I have something to learn. I have something to learn, and this is a necessary way for me to learn it. Did I say this teaching was easy? Easy? No. But every time I've been hurt in my life, which of course, like everyone in the world, I've been hurt. Eventually, not always immediately, But eventually, I begin to think, oh yeah, I needed this. Made my heart softer, made me more humble, made me more compassionate, gave me a perspective that I didn't have before. I was thinking just recently about someone who annoys me. And I I realized it's perfect, because I have annoyed many people in my life in pretty much exactly the same way. (laughs) And there you have it. What can I say? It's just like, okay... I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to learn. Not because this person is perfect, but because they're imperfect. And their imperfection is just what I need to hear. Life becomes so much more interesting and so much sweeter. And that's the whole point, isn't it? Just to be there to learn and to become more in tune and therefore more expressive of the Divine Mother within us all. So let us, as Swami says, Respect everyone, even if some people strike you as a bit daft. Remember, God dwells in all beings and can express his wisdom in countless ways, sometimes quite surprisingly. I myself have found that when I listened open-mindedly to someone whom I thought a little foolish, it was that person specifically whom God chose to tell me something I needed to hear. Joy to you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.